Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niches need. I am your producer, Ben. Our director, Matt, is AWOL, and in his absence, we have our lead cinematographer. This week, he is the DIC, the director in charge, our personal dick. It's Monty. I'm the dick. <laughs> How are you, Monty? Is Matt, like, gone missing again, like, in your closet or something again? Jeez. Well... If, if I have anything to say about it, <laughs> if I have anything to say about it, um, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I'll say that much. Yeah. Monty, what, what's uh, what's something good from the last week? Anything that you've indulged in that is both niche and neat? So I know we talked about it briefly in the green room. So my wife and I were huge fans of Takashi's Castle from back in the day. You know the goofy running these crazy ass uh obstacle course this japanese uh variety show or game show if you want to call it and they recently 34 years later he is back and they rebuilt the entire set it's on amazon prime if everyone out there want to check it out it's harder this time i feel and you know, it's pretty entertaining to watch. So we've been binge watching it this past this past week. So that was did, fun. Did you ever play the uh, NES game? No, I heard there is one. Right? Wasn't yeah, and it's one like on deliberately. It's like a deliberately screwed up like non-game <laughs> with just like really absurd instructions. It, like it's not designed to be finished, but of course people are insane, and so they have. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's, like, screwed up? as in It's, like, it's deliberately opaque. Okay. And asks you to do really stupid things. So it's, like, intentionally oh. bad game design. So like, sort of things kind of like... Like, I played Sort Wario of like a party. parody game, in a way. Or, like, Penn and Teller's Desert Bus. Oh, that? I, I've never heard of those games before. But are, are you saying, like... Because I know some of the Japanese ported games are like very odd kind of like wario party where they'll have you balance a pencil using your wii controller or or do some like yeah imagine that that. imagine that except they charged you money for a game that they deliberately designed for you to not actually be able to finish oh yeah then that's exact isn't that that's pretty realistic to the real actual game show exactly yeah yeah it's like difficulties are like beyond 100s. <laughs> but yeah, how was your week? It was pretty great. Uh, this past Sunday, I was on Greg Parks's PW Torch VIP exclusive Wrestling Night in America. Ooh. Uh, and I immediately went from that to Pro Wrestling Gorilla's 20th anniversary show, uh, the Mystery Vortex. And good God, what a show. Um, Monty, this might not resonate as much with you, but every match featured AEW talents. Um, oh, it it was AEW it, talents. It was, yeah, it was it was oh, six nice. matches that were all excellent. Kanosuke Takeshita wrestled Ray Horus in what sounds like a clash of styles, but ended up being arguably the match of the night. Takeshita is really embracing his new bad guy persona. Uh, John Moxley made a shock appearance to wrestle Titus Alexander. Uh, Maki Ito teamed with Evil Uno of the Dark Order. Uh, 
and uh, Aramis to wrestle the team of Latigo, Pretty Peter Avalon, and Masha Slamovich. Wonderful comedy match. Roderick Strong, in his shitty little boots, made a return to Pro Wrestling Gorilla. He wrestled Michael Oku in a technical masterpiece. And uh, Ray Phoenix wrestled Black Taurus, which is a Lucha Dream match of mine. And, nice. of course, in the main event, they have the, the point of uh, Mystery Vortex Monty is that you have no idea what the matches are or who's even going to be on the show, right? So it's very randomized. Very random, yes. Is it kind of uh, like, and, it, you may remember this, like, you remember there's that one time, I think, that back in the day, WCW had opened up phone lines for fans to call in and choose whoever wrestler they want and and decide on what type of match they want. Do you remember that episode? I, I remember that vaguely. It's yeah. something wrestling promoters actually did debuting uh originally and i'd say the 70s or 80s with the advent of television mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they would actually take in fan letters or uh, comments about yeah. the show and they and they'd read them on air sometimes oh. so i was watching some old georgia wrestling and they'd be like yes here's laney from uh <laughs> from charlottesville north carolina and she says that Dusty Rhodes should go wrestle uh, Giant Baba when he returns. And yeah. it, it's uh, one I found in particularly interesting is they had a fans choice main event match. And so fans could call in and vote for who they wanted in the main event of the show. Uh, and so it okay. was, I think, Dusty Rhodes, the Junkyard Dog and Andre the Giant versus Ernie Ladd and the Wild Samoans. And believe it or not, Monty, in that match, I saw Andre the Giant dive off the second rope. What? Oh, that would be amazing to witness. I I mean, he broke his knees in the process. Like, it was the most painful looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, seriously? He broke his knees? No, no, not like literally, but like knowing (laughs) how in like less than 10 years his body would be, you know, dust. I'm yeah. watching this. I'm like, this is awesome, but oh my god, Andre, please don't do this. Yeah, yeah no, I tried to call in uh, once for the WCW special because they're doing live calls, and yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't get it in. I wanted to. I think Earthquake left WWF to WCW. He's one of my favorites because I love yes, it. and I he love was in WCW first as the Avalanche. Yes, and that's then right. Then as the shark. Oh, I don't. Remember. Uh, do I remember him as a shark? I don't remember. He was the shark, and that character ended when he walked out on Nitro. Oh. He's interviewed by Mean Gene. He <laughs> takes his headband off, and he says, "Gene, I'm not a fish. I'm a man." <laughs> and he left. No, like, then he wrestled as John Tenta. Oh. But I, I just found it amazing to see, you know, how big Earthquake is, how big and imposing he yes. is. He yeah. just walks out on Nitro and he goes, I'm not a fish. <laughs> I'm, a I'm a man. Like, the fact that he needs to state that he's not a fish, which, by the way, a shark is not. A shark yeah. is not a fish uh, in, in the grand sense. And he's, I'm a man. <laughs> so he did not clarify whether or not he was an avalanche, though. Oh, uh. 
No, but he I still remember him in uh the wrestler Tugboat. And well he he became Typhoon and they became the natural disasters. That's WWE. right. Yeah. And then uh Tugboat yes. would go on to WCW mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he would be what character, Monty? Ooh, I honestly don't know. I didn't follow him. The Shock Master. The Shock Master? From do you not know the shark do you not know the Shock Master? No, I'm looking him up right now. Don't don't look it up. Don't look it up. This okay. is This is a beautiful rabbit hole for you to go down on another time. Um Oh really? But anyway, okay. so so uh you go to the show, yeah. you have no idea who's on the card. Yeah. What the top, what the main event match is going to be. People think the main event match is going to be the number one contender for the world title, Speedball Mike Bailey, versus the world champion, Daniel Garcia. Right? Yeah, yeah. They come out, main event of the evening, as expected, and then the ring announcer goes, the following contest is a 60-minute Iron Man match. Holy shoot. And all of a sudden, there is an impromptu hour-long Iron Man match. And Monty, Mm -hmm. let me tell you, if there's any type of match I recommend you watch live, like in person, it would be an Iron Man match, especially one like this, because Daniel Garcia is a super old-school-style wrestler in that... He doesn't need the crowd to interact with the match to have a good match. He has really solid fundamentals. And we're talking really small stuff, like he'll angle his body away from the ref to get in a shot with a closed fist, you know? Oh, um, okay. He'll, he'll slightly move his body in one way so that Speedball misses his shot. Uh, he'll, he'll act logically like he's in the lead heading into the final stretch of the match. So he ties speedball up in the corner and then he just sits in a chair. He doesn't need to do anything for the next five minutes. He's (laughs) ahead. Like, why would he bother? All right. It was a really, really cool old school, like 1970s, 1980s match built to a wonderful conclusion. Daniel Garcia cheats. His way to retaining the title. But uh, I really recommend when their Blu-ray comes out that everyone uh, gets it when they can. Because it was really a tour de force in wrestling storytelling. Um, Yeah, so Pro Wrestling Grill is great. Independent wrestling is great. And we have some photos of that on our Instagram, which you can check out really easily if you type in 4ttc.org and your web browser will take you right there. Follow us, and if you send us a copy of a five-star review that you left us on any service, I will send you, uh, within the next week, I will send you some pro wrestling DVD, because this week is pro wrestling focused. So you send us a five-star review in the next week, yeah, and I'll send you a free-ass DVD. Gotta be the first person to do it. I'll send you a free wrestling DVD. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's it's going to you, pal. Yeah. Free. Free. We rarely give away things for free. Free 99. <laughs> so, but I do have a question going back. Like, what was that VIP one that you mentioned? 
like is like do you get special treatment when you enter that show or is it oh like, so i used to seating? well so i used to write for the pro wrestling torch right right so vip is like a subscriber based uh exclusive podcast oh so if okay. you want to hear my voice on pro wrestling torches podcast feed you guys subscribe to their vip uh audio feed which is not free but what is free is that dvd <laughs> so guys i'm telling you i'm telling you yeah but with that said monty yes My i homework. think it's about time we get to our homework for the week all right and the homework i assigned you mm-hmm. was to watch three matches to introduce yourself to japanese pro wrestling the different stylings of japanese pro wrestling to the skill here but we're going to keep it as tight as we possibly can even though these are three wildly different types of japanese wrestling uh for matt's sake uh so that matt knows that i can actually talk about wrestling in a succinct manner we are looking at wrestling from 1980s japan where the most Mm -hmm. popular wrestling was all japan women's a Joshi wrestling promotion. We're going to be looking at all Japan pro wrestling and four pillars wrestling action with arguably the greatest wrestling match of all time. June 3rd, 1994 Misawa Kawada. And then we're going to close it with the match that many people think really solidified new Japan as an option to watch in America which was January 4th, 2015, Kota Ibushi versus Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 9 in Tokyo Dome. So, really thin here. Let's start empty playing field. Monty, heading into this, what did you know about Japanese wrestling? I know that it is much more... Well, the ones I've seen are probably mostly the New Japan wrestling ones. Um, Whenever I went back to Taiwan to visit my family. They have a channel uh, reserved for me. So I usually watch that. And it's like, this is like before WWE had its own streaming service. Like this is like a cable network that is dedicated to new Japan wrestling. So I, I always liked how they're more theatrical and how they are presented and they are like really really um portrayed as gods going into a a gladiator-ish ring in this case i was gonna say stadium but when they come out it's like a lot of fans worship these guys yeah for real the presentation is understated but still really uh it's crazy like you, you really crazy yeah like um, american wrestling fans and japanese wrestling fans they japanese wrestling fans can they go that extra mile like these guys are like be 
again, like, I know I'm repeating myself. They're treated like huge, like, bigger than life characters or people. The yeah, they're street. they're treated like celebrities or like yeah. or like all star uh, athletes, which they are, yes. even if they're not in a uh, in a competition based sport as much as as others are. It's a, it is. a they're they're in a rigged entertainment based sport. Yeah, but still sport. Yeah, um, wrestling fans in America. Uh, and I'd say in Mexico to look at wrestlers as I want to see you get your fucking ass kicked. Yeah. Whereas in Japan, it's watching I two Titans like, clash. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot more larger than life. Yeah. Uh, a little more anime. And that's what we're going to see a lot here today. Yes. So very quick background. The very mm-hmm. first star in Japanese wrestling is Ricky Dozen. Mm-hmm. After World War II, the Japanese did not have a lot. So one of the imports from American culture to Japan was pro wrestling. And the number one star coming out of that era was Ricky Dozan, who would become the champion in Japan. And his basically his entire identity would be an evil foreigner would come mm-hmm. and he would beat them. <laughs> and another evil foreigner would come and he'd beat them again. So yeah. just like how in America in the 80s, Hulk Hogan was destroying the evil Iron Sheik or Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. In Japan, Ricky Dozan was like, hey, guys, we might have lost the war. But here, watch me kick these Americans asses when it's one on one. They ain't stand a chance. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's pure propaganda ish, I guess. For, for it's Japanese. I I like to but think it of it as an outlet, yeah. right? It, it's an it's an outlet for the people. Uh, Ricky Dozan had some of the highest ratings in Japanese television history. Uh, more people tuned in to watch his matches than I think people ever tuned in to watch Stone Cold's matches. Mm-hmm. You know, percentage wise, at least of households, there were less TVs back then. Like was he um, one of your favorites, or did you do you have an all time favorite? Uh, so Ricky right? Dozan died at the age of thirty nine because yeah. he was in because he uh, he fucked with the mob. Yep, yeah, yep, with the yakuza. So he died in nineteen sixty three at only thirty nine years old. So that's even a bit before my sensibilities kicked in. Yeah. He did, however, train. Two men who would go on to shape Japanese wrestling history forever. Mm-hmm. And that was Antonio Inoki, who would go on to found New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. We'll see his uh, his stamp on the history of Japan God at the end of this soul. talk. He passed away last year, too. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, also the late Shohei Giant Baba was yes. his other key student. My favorite. He would go on to found All Japan Pro Wrestling. So the competitor to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you'll notice throughout the history of Japanese wrestling, mm-hmm. it's these small, it's these giant rivalries between two people mm-hmm. that really follows each other throughout their entire careers. And it's not something you really see in American wrestling much. Just yeah. instead of the soap opera style of America, you go to Japan and it's these two people are interlocked forever. And whether they like each other, they hate each other. There's just always going to be 
uh, a link between the two of them. And that's a yes. trope still used to this day. That is true. That is true. Yeah, Giant Baba was one of my favorite ones because my dad used to love watching him wrestle. And, you know, being tall in the family, like being one of the only tall ones in the family, it's kind of someone that I looked in, looked up to because he's also a giant in his stature. I well, everyone wondered, looked like, up to Giant Baba because yeah. he was really tall. Did he ever wrestle with American wrestlers? Yes, like, yes. Did he ever uh, fight quite... Andre or no? Ooh, I, I don't he... know. I can certainly check, though. Yeah, um, I'd I... have to think that he did once or twice because Andre was in... Um, he was in Japan a lot. Andre was yes, was yeah, very he was popular. Big. Yeah, it looks like he teamed with Baba. No, he did wrestle Baba, but in uh tag matches, it seems like mainly. Oh, okay. so he tagged both with him and against him. Ah, oh, oh can, okay. I should check. Can I out. ask you a question about Giant Baba? Sure. Did it ever bother you that his arms are so small and spindly? I think that gives him his character. Yeah, that's yeah. just like part of the vibe. Yeah, like I, I've I've been watching it since I was a kid, so it when I was a kid, I didn't really think I was more mesmerized by his height as a kid. So I didn't really see him as yeah yeah he's not your typical wrestler that comes out. And is like buff or muscular or good looking, but he was just in my in my heart, he's just that that big guy that would take out everyone that comes across his path. So that's why I really liked him for it. So yeah, yeah so like with me, Baba, and and we'll move on from this here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but with Baba, I always found it a little uh, disconcerting. But he has such a wide frame. Yes. Such a big head. His yep. legs are pretty sizable. And then he has like T-Rex arms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I no, was, I, but, I see Okay, that. so, see so that. it's just part so, of it. It's just it's part, part of, of it. it. Yeah, I, okay. I don't see it as anything. I mean, man can put on a show, man. So There we go. All that's all you need. Exactly. So that's so, why we're here. Men's wrestling in Japan... I would say peaked in the nineties in the eighties, the real height of Japanese wrestling popularity Mm -hmm. came with the crush gals and all Japan women's. Uh, They were like the rockers, right? (laughs) No, they weren't like the rockers. It was like, if it was like Hulk Hogan and macho man teaming up with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like Chigusa Nagayo. Apologies yeah. for translation um, or pronunciation. And Linus Asuka. Yeah. They both joined All Japan Women's in about 1980. Um, Asuka ro- Linus Asuka rose through the ranks faster than mm-hmm. her counterpart. Yeah. But they started teaming together and they had a lot of immediate uh, resonance with the crowd. Because... The people who were going to watch All Japan Women's, unlike most wrestling in history, were all tweens or teenage girls. And it just so happens that these two kind of look like teenage girls. Yeah, yeah. And so because of that, they really got behind these two 
and within a year they became a cultural phenomena in Japan to the extent that the Crush Gals sold over a hundred thousand copies of their hit pop album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they actually sang. <laughs> have, have you listened to any uh, to any Crush Gals music? No, I only read about them. They actually had albums, which was interesting. But in the album cover is them dressed in their wrestling, which is well, amazing. yeah. I mean, but see, at that point, I feel like that's just like your superhero costume, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But you don't see that here eh, in the in the Western front. For sure. You do actually. Um, really? Macho Someone Man. Actually... So Macho Man made a rap album dissing Hulk Hogan. Uh, modern wrestler album? Elias made an album. Okay. Uh, the West Texas Rednecks, led by Kurt Hennig, had a uh, single that hit the charts actually in 1999. Mr. It's Perfect. rare. But it does happen. I feel like the fact it happens at all is is notable. <laughs> well, I, I I only know that, and from a cultural perspective, is that in Asian, if you're an Asian celebrity and you are multi-talented, they would definitely use it. Like, I mean, if we think about it, I, I know it's not really uh, popularized here, but think about Jackie Chan. He makes all the movies he makes in Hong Kong, like the Hong Kong versions of his movies. He sings the the the, the end credit songs for all, and he actually That's... has put out albums and stuff like that. So, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me for these gals to these crazy uh, these crazy gals to get through these things. So, yeah. It's, oh, sorry, it's crush really, crush yeah, it's it's really amazing because with Joshi wrestling, there's always a uh, connection to idol culture, and wrestlers recently, like Oscar, uh, mm-hmm. uh, modern day Oscar, who got her name from Lioness Oscar, yes, have discussed how that sort of idol culture has historically seeped its way into uh, Joshi wrestling. Unfortunately. That's almost all in Japanese, so I don't know anything about it. And so we're just going to talk base history here. I think, like, idol culture, for the guys, uh, it's it's a different idol culture. But for the men of Japanese pro wrestling, I think they are, like, they, they got some... Like really devo- devout fans. Uh, and That's a good point. I heard, yeah. like, there's one... Oh, shoot. I forgot... He's a shoot fighter slash wrestler from Japan, and I heard he's like treated like, uh, like king. Like I think he walks around all over the place with rose petals at his feet wherever he goes. <laughs> I forgot who it is, but we, I, I did watch a few of his matches. Um, well, I, I don't, I don't know, but whoever that is, oh, sounds if like I find an him, I'll stud. definitely bring it into your attention. Yeah, please yeah. do. He's, uh, he was very popular in the shoot, shoot fighting or, sh- uh, slash shoot wrestling scene. And he's been 
undefeated. Well, up until the nineties, he has been undefeated. And I, I uh, really want to take a deep dive and figure this okay. out, but yeah. we have more pressing matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got hand. other stuff to talk about. Yeah. The very height of all Japan women's okay. was the crush gals versus mm-hmm. the atrocious Alliance led by dump Matsumoto. Uh, Dump Matsumoto essentially is like the human version of a kaiju. (laughs) And in our match today, from 1985, so the same time that Hulk Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania Mm -hmm. is running wild in America, the first WrestleMania, you cannot find a building in the world that is louder than this one arena in Japan where thousands of school-age teenage girls are going crazy for the crush gals as they go into a tag match, the finals of a tag team tournament, versus Dump Matsumoto and her protege, the legendary Bull Nakano, who at this point, as I learned, is like barely... Uh, barely an adult. She's like 18, 19 years old. Oh, in this really? Match. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was wondering about this. Uh, all Japan women's and all the Japanese women's promotions of the era had an age cutoff where you could not wrestle after you turn 30. Once you hit 29, like, you know, better be starting your retirement tour. Oh, and so they started very young. Bull Nakano won her first title when she was a teenager. Damn. And That's... yet she still looks like a stud. And she kicks serious ass alongside Dump Matsumoto in this legendary tag match that no one in America has ever heard of. Monty, how would you describe the energy of this All Japan Women's match? さあ、とりあえず今音楽が変わりました。音楽が変わりました。これからクラッシュの入場です。完全に互角を名に選挙されたそしてデビューの間に the energy is crazy. I don't I don't think I've ever seen uh, <laughs> a room full of teenage girls, schoolgirls like cheer on this match. But I do Maybe you will go into more about it. I do have some questions about this match. Like, number one, what type of match is this considered? Because, um, yeah, I was kind of confused on how it started, the middle, <laughs> and how it so, ended. How it yeah, ended. so the, when the match starts, yeah. um, the Atrocious Alliance has multiple members, but they all come out in masks. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so when the match starts... 
they're supposed to wrestle Dom Matsumoto and Bull Nakano, but they don't know who's who because they're all wearing masks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the heels use that to their advantage to start attacking them yeah. with multiple people. Yes. And yeah. because the referee doesn't know who's who, he does not call for the bell. Yes. I will say, <laughs> All Japan Women's must have been the real predecessor to ECW because these women beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. And the crowd is going crazy for all of it. They bring chairs in. They use weapons. They're choking people. They're making each other bleed. The crowd is going wild the whole time. Yeah. I it's a level of violence. (laughs) Dude, that's why I said like when you when you say they beat the crap out of the crush gals, I have to say beat is they I wouldn't say they destroyed them in this match. But the Crush Gals bring it right back to them, especially in the first half of the match. I mean, it it plays out like an anime. If you watch wrestling in an anime, it's all Japan women's that they're basing it off of. Yeah, Just these over-the-top moves crushing each other, using weapons. The referees can't see two inches in front of them, (laughs) and they're the most anemic, don't care. The women are flinging the male referee around the ring, and he is completely... At their whim, even though he's like twice their size, we have we have he was Bull having so much trouble controlling the match. It was just ridiculous. No, he didn't even have an option. Yeah, I, I mean, Bull Nakano looks like a double dragon villain, yes. straight up. Yeah, a video you know? game fighting villain. Yeah, um, it's and there's small details in this match that I feel like people nowadays could watch. Yeah. And take advantage of the match starts. They throw the crush gals out of the ring yeah. into the throngs of children and they start beating their asses. Yeah. And yet something I noticed is that whereas in American wrestling, they'll knock them on the outside and then they'll get in the ring and they'll wait for the referee to try and count them out. And then they'll get back in. Yeah, right. No, That's no. a wrestling trope. Yeah. This one they did. They just, here they don't they just keep wailing on them and then when they're done they just throw their asses right back into the ring and they keep wailing on them and the poor crush gals they don't want to be counted out so they force themselves back into it's like being thrown into the lion's den it's it's a level of control over the rules of the match that you don't see often yeah in wrestling like honestly when i watched it like I really thought, and mind you, I was rooting for the heel here. Um, yeah. I, I was like, there's no way. Like, it's like you're fighting two giants. Like, the Crush Gals are facing two giants, and, and they were just, oh, my God. It was, like, so painful to watch. And I think, and you can correct me wrong, I think I counted. It was a three-match back-to-back, wasn't it? It was a best two out of three best falls Best two out match. of three, right? Yeah. The oh first fall God. ends rather quickly. Yes, it did. After yeah. Bull and Dump Matsumoto lose the initial fall by disqualification, which mm. sounds like bullshit to an extent. Yeah. Until yeah. you see how much they beat the shit out of these two poor girls. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You look yeah. into the audience, yeah. right? It shows close-ups of the audience. 
They're the girls in the crowd, <laughs> they are, they're crying. They are openly weeping. Yeah. A few of them I saw were sobbing yeah. from how badly the crush girls were getting crush destroyed. Girls were, yeah. were getting their asses kicked here. Yeah. I'm like, like, this is awesome. They start, they start trying to stab them with a cane like like they're going essentially for homicide five minutes into this matchup and you guys have to understand right frame of reference monty yeah in america what do we have we have hulk hogan doing like the body slam and the leg drop and bundy like slaps him with his fat jiggliness in the corner yes meanwhile in japan these women are stabbing each other with a cane while children are crying at ringside. Yeah, like Kendall sticks, everything was like whipped and stuff. But but you got to give it to them. And now the second match, uh, the Crush Girls. Yes, the had, second fall. They, 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 they start off like Crush Girls broke the sticks that they're getting beaten with in front of them there's like kind of like they had enough and they actually get into a match and i have to say some moves uh the crush gal showed off in the second match was pretty good it was like well you're a lot of you're, you're really burying the lead here monty but, you the, know I have to the, say. the second fall the second fall opens yeah. with bull nakano <laughs> Getting out a pair of nunchucks, oh, yeah. and she starts a mid-match nunchuck, like, Yo. like yeah, yeah, like just like, like a nunchuck exercise, dude. I think, and then she throws the nunchucks away because she doesn't even need those to whip their asses. Yeah. No, what, what was the group that you call that 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 team? The was? Atrocious Alliance. The Atrocious Alliance. They all, I think, they all came out with weapons. At one point, like before the second fall match, yeah, like, they were like killing them. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. It, it was a lot of fun. The Crush yeah. Gals make a comeback in the yeah. second fall. They pinned. Uh, it. I think it's I think it's Lioness Oscar who just casually picks up Bull Nakano mm-hmm. and does a full on like multiple rotation giant swing on her. Yes, just casually picks her up. And yeah. swings her ten times around. In wrestling nowadays, this is like a massive high spot. Here, it's just her going to work, and it honestly makes it look way more impressive. Yes, yeah. And then, um, yeah, they uh, the third. They just got come. I think they got completely yeah destroyed. The, the second like, fall, torn apart. I think the second fall goes to the atrocious alliance. Yes, uh, giant German suplexes. Mm-hmm. A massive, massive doomsday device by the Atrocious Alliance. Yeah. Uh, just slapping these women on their damn heads. They beat them up so bad that they need to get a medical team in there to check on the crush gals to make sure they're even living enough (laughs) to be able to get into the third fall. 
Yeah, by now you can see the audience are all like just dying in tears. It's just they were really concerned. Yeah, and the then you see fall the, you see gets I don't ugly. know if it's like if it's the, you know those people that are dressed up that are surrounding the crush gals when they're being yes. checked. Are they wrestlers too, or what? So those are the... trainees. Oh, the trainees. They yeah, start so th- doing fighting the, the. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the atrocious alliance are playing so dirty the whole match that yes. in between falls. Yeah. They start mocking the crush gals, and some of the trainees start trying to take shots. Yes. Yeah. At dump Matsumoto and Bull. Yeah. And it's, you think that a riot's about to take place. Yeah. And it might as well have, because in the third fall, that's when they break out the trash can yeah. to start smashing <laughs> on the crush gal's head. Yeah. They're now, I, I, I believe it's Nagayo who is straight up bleeding from the side of the yes. head. Yeah. She was hit. She got cut. They, they. Yeah. Pause the match again because they're cheating so much the referee doesn't want to disqualify them. So instead, he just pauses it until the crush gals have some amount of time to recoup some level of energy and the crowd goes crazy for it. Yeah. And then I think my favorite part was uh, when they started going attacking both their legs. It was, that was very brutal. I was just like, they're not getting up. They're all limping now. Like they're completely broken at this point. Yeah. They, they break the crush gals. This is like the dark night when Batman gets his back broken by Bane. (laughs) Just spread out and over like three falls in a 30 minute match. The crush gals don't get a single fall on and they they don't. don't get. They don't get pinned in the deciding fall. Uh, I believe it was referee's discretion, I think it was. Yeah. The referee was just like, she just straight up can't go anymore. No, they were done. They can't even get up. And Yeah, they couldn't even get up. <laughs> まだこれ以上試合続行はちょっと残酷な感じがいたしますはいしかし何かこの判定は無い感じがいたしますダンプ松本とブルマカのアキアステを組んでましたご覧くださいやっとのガッツポーズダンプ松本 the dump and bowl, like they pulled a lot of like, I may not, I don't know the technicality call for this, but they really used like, you know, those b- splashes on them, the leg drops on them. They really are ripping them apart at the end. Like, I don't crazy. know if I'd call it a squash match because it was 30 minutes long, but yeah. reading back from my notes, I mean, it was one-sided, you know, mm-hmm. I'll say that much. <laughs> uh, but it was it was awesome. Like Monty, like yeah, like you've been getting into wrestling. How does this rank among wrestling matches you've seen? Oh, this is definitely a fun one. It is one of a, one of compare. You know what? I won't. I can't compare it to American wrestling, but uh, this is definitely. It's like yeah. It's like if Dragon Ball Z fights were in real life. This is it. 
Like, yeah, this, this is, is like all pure like power against power. But unfortunately, <laughs> for the Crush Gals, I don't know. They definitely did not have the the size and strength as Dump and Bull together in the ring. That's just like watching what is the American equivalent? The natural disaster earthquake and uh, typhoon versus yeah. Marty Janetti and uh, Shawn Michaels. It's just like, there's no match, man. Like, after they get so much beatings, they're done, too. It's like, this is crazy. But I have to say, I had a lot of fun. It was really good watching. Um, unfortunately, I was rooting for the heel in this. Well, hey, even I, better for you. I, I uh, not think... Not good for those traumatized teenage girls. <laughs> yeah, this is... This is the most anime I've ever seen wrestling. Yes. Yeah. The rules are barely there. <laughs> like, they give them a lot of leeway. Well, could you and, blame and, the ref? He has no No, no, I didn't want to get my ass... Like, they would have killed him <laughs> if he did any yeah. more disqualifying. That's true, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Joshi wrestling today. Yeah. Um, yeah. They Less teenage girls in the crowd now, of yeah. course. But still very colorful, anime, energy, um, you know, crowd participation, big, colorful characters, um, and lots of high drama. So that, Monty, is your intro to Joshi Wrestling, Japanese women's wrestling. And with that, we move on to our next match, Mm -hmm. a match that many people argue is the greatest wrestling match of all time. And it I is it, it is known by many as just its date. 6-3-94. All Japan Pro Wrestling, the wrestling company that was run by Giant Baba. Mm-hmm. He had what was since lovingly referred to as the four pillars of heaven. Mm-hmm. Which were Kenta Kobashi, mm-hmm. Akira Tawe, and the two stars of our match here today, Toshiaki Kawada and his lifelong rival, Mitsuharu Misawa. Both of them met each other in high school and developed a friendly rivalry with each other. Yes. It was Misawa first who was scouted uh, by Giant Baba and joined All Japan Pro Wrestling. And whereas he quickly rose up the ranks, Kawada would take a bit longer to reach the same plateau as Misawa. Misawa would famously be the second incarnation of Tiger Mask. And he would defeat Jumbo Saruta in 1990 to win his first All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown Championship which is their top championship in the promotion. And whereas him and Kawada would be known mainly as a team earlier in their careers, 
It would be in the mid-90s when they would have their most famous stretch of matches, this time as bitter rivals. And it is argued that none of their matches, both tag team and singles, surpass the beauty of June 3rd, 1994. Monty, this is what we call King's Road style wrestling. Yeah. So whereas Joshi is bright, big, bold colors, over-the-top characters, mm-hmm. this is escalation. It's is, close is the to, theme of, of King's Road. It's close to, I would say, like kind of like, it's close to, yeah, what today we call it MMA. It mixed um, martial arts into wrestling. And, in in a way, uh, Japan was influenced by MMA in in its time. Uh, yeah. Modern MMA came from Japan, yeah, uh, and from wrestling promoters. Fun stuff there. Uh, but the story of King's Road is wrestlers will start with small moves, yes, and matches will energy. escalate, yes, yeah, and it is not about who's going to hit a move first. Mm-hmm. It's about how much damage can one person withstand and how violent do your moves need to become until they just cannot get up anymore. And the story of June 3rd, 94 is Kawada trying to rid his demon of never being able to defeat Misawa for the title. Yeah, And it is his boasting and his raw emotions versus the annoying stoicism of Misawa that ends up costing him this match. Yeah. Um, tell me, Monty, what are your immediate feelings from, from June 3rd, 94? I have to say this match... Out of the three, I'm going to say it right here. This Out of the three, this was my favorite match. It was very technical. There's some technical um, moves in it. And then it just escalates to, like, there's some moves in there. I don't even know if it's, like, how they, how they performed it and were able to still stand up from it. But well, it was, well, I, you know, yeah. it's a speechless. I, okay, you know what? I'm just saying, I'm speechless. If you want me to say one word, it's speechless to describe this match. This match was a, an amazing match. I'm, I'm surprised I've never heard about this match. But yeah, it, I was left speechless. It was a really good match. Whereas the first match focused on brutality through yes. weapons, this is focused on brutality through wrestling it's yeah. a story of, of where you can tell their hatred through their moves yes. and the things they do to each other yeah. kawada with his insistent disrespect and misawa refusing to cave to that emotional pressure yes and it starts out simple enough yeah. i will say kawada has a groovy as hell entrance theme but nothing beats the loud chance yeah for uh, Mitsuharu Misawa. The match starts off slow. Mm-hmm. They're just grinding each other down. Yep. Testing each other out. Kicking each other. And it's Kawada who takes the lead and, and really leads the majority of the match. 
he's the guy who uh, really kicks things off by kicking Misawa in the face. Yeah. Hitting him with a massive enzigiri. And I noticed about eight to ten minutes into this 40 minute long match. Yeah. I can't help myself and I just start uh, listing off moves that they do to each other because it's so crazy. Reverses Misawa's powerbomb. Drop kick to the back of the head. Misawa starts using his dead weight as a strategy, which I don't see a lot of wrestlers use. I really dig it. And the crowd is like a wall of noise. I have to say, like, I was impressed at how fast these guys are. Like, these two guys are, like, very, ma- ma- uh, like, muscle-bound guys. And, like, seeing how flexible and how they dodge each other's attacks and, you know, it's just really amazing to watch. What I find interesting is that the crowd starts the match behind Kawada. Yeah. And yeah. as it goes on, Kawada is so disrespectful. Yeah. And he's beating down Misawa so badly that the crowd has no choice but to start cheering on for a Misawa comeback. <laughs> and every time he starts making a comeback, Kawada is able to shake him off. And that's really the story of the match. Yeah. Kawada gets angry. Misawa makes him pay for his mistake. But I think the story is that Kawada is ultimately a better wrestler than Misawa. He just doesn't have the same level of composure that he does. I think from a technicality standpoint, I agree with you. Because he it was like pretty much all one-sided until like probably the end, right? Like Kawada was actually doing pretty well through the match. And yeah, Kawada I, hits him. At one him... point, I really thought Misawa was on the verge of losing. Yeah, he hits Misawa with a giant powerbomb. Misawa kicks out. German suplex on the back of his head. I said, oh my god, Misawa is dead. Kicks out. Second (laughs) giant powerbomb. Misawa still kicks out. By that point, he knows that a power bomb's coming a third time he reverses it mm-hmm. and then kawada takes him and puts him in a goddamn dragon sleeper yeah and so it's in it, the referee massive props to him too because he's really good in this match yeah he puts misawa in the dragon sleeper and the referee starts nodding as if he is giving up <laughs> and yet misawa's not because he's yeah. too because he's not gonna fucking submit to kawada no. his old high school mate are you kidding me yeah uh <laughs> i i do appreciate that i feel like in these matches you can tell when someone's like i think we're going too hard because kawada straight up drops misawa on his head on his german suplex and about yeah. five minutes later misawa hits a german suplex back and it is way nicer. It is like, it's like dude lands on the small of his back. It's so nice. I'm sure he was like, can we turn it down just a little bit here? Yeah. Meanwhile, throughout the entirety of the match, and Monty, I don't know if you noticed this, the Japanese commentary mm-hmm. is going 
absolutely apeshit. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't How? understand what they were saying, but have you ever heard too. guys seem more excited by a I match? I have seen. I I forgot which one it is, but I have seen a lucha luchador match where they really go nuts about it. But this match, dude, they were just pound for pound of beatings. It, it was insane. Yeah, these guys they really always, did their neck stretches, didn't they? Yeah, like I mean, they are pulling off some of the moves that like again like what i was saying like what's so impressive is how the agility of these guys like whenever they do some arm bar hold they match of you know like for their third move they always throw in something like a a flying kick or something like that like it just comes out of nowhere so fast and... Why don't we have more wrestlers built like these guys? Like, where did these guys go? Uh, I, I'm, I I'm sure there's I some think, reason for it, but I think the damn. reason is, dude, these, this is a very brutal fight. I can imagine, like, this day and age, yeah, I don't think they will allow this type because the, think about, like, like outside of the, the whole match like think about how much abuse your body is taking when you're doing these match especially those kicks to the head well hey kawada's doing fine Nah, he's doing i mean fine. i mean masawa's dead but like kawada's okay yeah but still like i can just imagine like this definitely will take a toll on you very very quickly so i feel like that starts more of a discussion on japanese work culture because even in wrestling wrestlers hurt when they're wrestlers wrestle wrestle when they're while they're hurt yes like that's something that hasn't changed even to this day so the wrestling is less extreme than this yeah but guys still do way too much damage to their bodies yeah but that yeah this this match was like it had me on the edge of my seat i didn't know who i was gonna who was gonna win but i I don't know did you end up rooting for more honestly I actually, I wasn't rooting for anyone specific. I was actually just watching to see the, 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 the skill set and how they fight and how they deliver the moves. I was focusing on that a lot. And, bro, I don't think I've ever seen this many <laughs> chances of your neck getting broken in the ring moves. Yeah, in any wrestling match in in America in Mexico, combined. Well, I've there's never a reason seen so why they worked stunt. out their necks so much. Yeah, holy shoot! I'm um, like, and, and no wonder they're ice packing them at the end, like their necks. Like, yeah, for real. Holy crap. That was like um, so much hit. And uh, the end of the match. Is probably the most neck breaky uh, finisher oh, yeah. of them all. Oh yeah. Misawa at a certain point just goes, "Okay, enough is enough. Let's finish enough this. is enough." He yeah. looks like death. Yeah. But he knows that he's broken Kawada's spirit. He gets in so many kicks, so many elbows. Yeah. 
Kawada hits him with a with a kick, it means absolutely nothing. Misawa lifts him up for not his signature move, the Tiger Driver, but for one of the most dangerous moves in pro wrestling history, the Tiger Driver 94. 94. Where he picks up, well, because the match was in 1994. Oh, okay. <laughs> where he picks up Kawada, I thought that was double the arm name underhook, <laughs> lifts him in the air, and straight up just drops him on his neck and pins yeah. him. One of the most brutal looking moves I've ever yes, seen. Will yeah. Ospreay and Kenny Omega just did this move oh. in AEW. Oh. Yeah. And by all accounts, they were fine. But I mean, it's a scary looking move. It is. It's like, it's like, just to give our listeners a visualization, if you don't know, it's basically you start off with a pedigree, but instead of going down, you flip them onto their necks and then yeah. drop them down. It's like if you guys, oh, if you guys man. have ever seen the uh, the time where Triple H screwed up his pedigree and a dude broke his neck from it, it's basically that, oh. but they planned on doing it. Oh shit. Yeah, oh, I did not hear so, about that story. But yeah, that finish, both men are like completely dead, and <laughs> they barely can lift their hand up at the end. It was it one just... of the first matches Dave Meltzer said was over five stars. Uh, Eddie Kingston says it's the greatest match of all time, and who mm-hmm. might doubt him? Um, I think it's really up there. Yeah, uh, but I also think that there's so much of a well of matches from all Japan to look at mm-hmm. that have the same sort of pomp and circumstance. I can't wait to watch more of them. You know what really surprised me at the end of that match? What? It's not the title belt or the number of title belts he is holding. It's the ginormous freaking trophy he got. I was just like, what? That thing is huge. Hey, man, if I went through that match, I'd want a damn trophy, too. That's the greatest match of all time yes, trophy. Yes, yeah, I agree with you 110%, Ben. That, that was that was definitely a yeah. I already told so, you, this is my number one match of the night, of the three that you told me. You so our third match is no slouch either, though. Our oh, third no. and final match. Yeah. I, I watched this one today before we recorded. The split between Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba. Mm-hmm. Baba went on to found All Japan Pro Wrestling. Antonio Inoki would go on to found New Japan New Pro Japan. Wrestling. Yeah. And whereas All Japan focused on the King's Road style, New Japan would develop what's become known as Fighting Spirit and Strong Style. Really Strong, strong style. style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The difference between Strong Style and King's Road is Strong Style isn't going to kill you as bad. Okay. Uh, it's based on what is your, like, whereas King's Road is about escalation of pain, King's Ro- uh, uh, Strong Style is about spirit. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice in New Japan, a frequent trope of their matches are striking exchanges. To see who has more will yeah. or oh, more okay. heart 
to absorb punishment and keep going. It's a battle of wills every time these guys uh, fight each other. Okay, okay. And you see an example of that. January 4th, 2015, Wrestle Kingdom 9. Pretty recent. The first New Japan Pro Wrestling pay-per-view available on pay-per-view in America thanks to Jeff Jarrett and his short-lived Global Force Wrestling venture. And I would say the signature match of the night... The match that made me fall in love with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Matt as well mm-hmm. <laughs> is for their secondary championship, the IWGP Intercontinental title. Shinsuke Nakamura, the king of strong style, yes. wrestles Kota Ibushi. Shinsuke was a stalwart of New Japan at the time. He was pushed as a uh, protege of Antonio Inoki. Mm-hmm. He lacked character when he started out, was pushed far too soon, yeah. and he was summarily rejected as ace of New Japan. He would leave, go to Mexico, and reinvent himself as the king of strong style, an eclectic Freddie Mercury-adjacent uh, bizarre weirdo who's really amazing at wrestling. Conversely, as opposed to the man who was... Uh, given and handed everything. Kota Ibushi is the son of doctors. He has more money than he knows what's good for him, but he really likes wrestling. And so he started wrestling in DDT Pro, a mixture of serious and comedic Japanese wrestling. He was always a bit of an outsider to an extent Mm -hmm. where new Japan really wanted to sign him, but he liked having his contractual freedom. Yeah. And so he was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And that is the case here too. When he faces his biggest test to date as of January, 2015, when he faces Shinsuke Nakamura. IWGP Intercontinental I got a question. Was Shinsuke wrestling at WWE during this time too? No. Shinsuke joined WWE a year after this match. So basically WWE saw this match. And took him. And Triple H went, I want to hire this guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, because I kind of saw like because I was looking at the date. I'm like... Well, he wasn't here already assigned to to uh, WWE at the same time. so Almost, but not quite. Yeah. Monty, what are your broad strokes for this match? Uh, this match was... It's up there out of the three. Um, I did like the, the chops. A lot of chops, a lot of kicks. And, again, the high-flying moves that uh what's his name koda ibushi was doing was very impressive like i never seen it done quite as well as he actually delivered it which is very smooth very smooth very well executed um and yeah it was it was unbelievable but believable at the same time it it was really impressive how stiff this match yeah. was. But this the kicks were really hard. Oh yeah. They laid everything into each other. They're just not dropping each other on their goddamn heads constantly. Do you see how big this arena is? 
you can hear the echo for this the kick yeah this it's is tokyo Dome. unbelievable yeah so but i'd have to say after watching this match what the heck wwe like why isn't are they using shinsuke the same like level of when he was so it's crazy like he, so that's this, a the man that's a put, great question the Monty. man can put like some really good like brutality air quotes brutality into a fight that makes it look good too right and and fun to watch but yeah so there's a mixture of answers i can't claim to know that any one of these is the answer okay but all right shinsuke's in his 40s now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i doubt he wants to be doing super hard hitting matches shinsuke even when he was in new japan would only go this hard for special matches and oh, like when it wasn't a special match, okay. he would really phone it in. Oh, okay. True. Shinsuke, yes. I think, sees WWE, at, and it is, a wrestling company where you don't need to kill yourself by wrestling really hard. True. So now that he's wrestling three times a week, weekly, mm-hmm. I think it means that he aims to tone down his style just to like make sure he doesn't break his body down and also wwe isn't really conducive to this style of wrestling they just don't really do it yeah which is a shame once once again hulk hogan getting squashed by bundy versus the crush gals being you know thrown (laughs) through a wall yeah i guess but yeah no i i that's one thing i picked up i'm like i was just amazed because i never seen shinsuke fight to this level you know like his entrance and what and charisma everything. yeah like he he walks to the ring essentially dressed like the statue of liberty <laughs> pretty much どんな戦いになるのか誰にもわからないという期待とも不安ともとれる感情がたまらないここ強さを運んでまいります。東京ドームがこの瞬間を待ちわびていました。うーん、なんという挨拶だ。戦い妄での一点よ。挨拶代
the strong style of wrestling. This is like, yeah, I've never seen it done like this before. It's it's entertaining yeah, to is... watch, but it's very. It adds a little bit of realism in the sense of they are, you know, when they how they start is not like just diving in and grapple. It's just like holy crap! It's like real street fight ish. Uh, yeah, this match really was to, about yeah. Ibushi proving himself to Nakamura. I yes. feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the match is them each slowly pissing each other off more and more yeah. as the match goes on, ratcheting up the stakes. Yeah. Uh, Ibushi <laughs> using a mix of kicks and aerial high flying versus yes. Shinsuke's striking background. Yeah. And I say. By far, the highlight of the match is Kota Ibushi Mm -hmm. jumping up onto the ropes to do a deadlift German suplex from the outside of the ring into the ring on Nakamura. (laughs) Yes. Every time I see it, I'm like, like, that's the move that made me fall in love with Japanese wrestling. Yeah. But I have to say, from my perspective, watching this is, it's almost like um, watching uh, a, a, a Hong Kong action movie from the '90s, but live. You're watching, yeah, definitely. The guys like pull these crazy ass fights, like fights. I'm not talking about wrestling moves, where of you know. Um, throwing people around, doing flashy, you know, big moves. You just see them really go at it, like a, a it's at an actual fight, and it's really like, can you imagine? It's if you understand how Hong Kong uh, uh, fight choreography, how long it actually takes. These guys were able to do it live in the ring, which earns a lot of my respect. Like, and to be able to do this live and and make the moves like work make the fight yeah and work. only with you know probably at max you only spent a few days putting this together yeah max yeah probably day of yeah like you you don't have that much time to uh figure out the choreography and the dance the this it was so-called yeah, dead dance that they're doing it's, it's definitely crazy. i would say the most choreographed of the three yes um and honestly i would say it's kind of an in-between of the first two matches we watched. It's got a lot of that colorful pageantry mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. All Japan Women's had. A little bit more of the silliness in there. Yeah. But it also has the big stiffness and strikes Yes. of the All Japan match. Yeah. And I realized that when they are selling it, they're both selling each other's moves really well. It's not over-exaggerated. No. Um, and then... Like you, to your point, they are really just like the way they sell it is they're really trying to piss each other off to get the the fight going. And you can tell how serious by the sound of the crowd, like how calm the crowd was, but has it, it, it's the, the volume ramps up. It really does near the end. And yeah, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Yep, uh, Shinsuke wins with his Bomaye, now known as the Kinshasa. Yeah. Um, Monty, looking at these three matches, mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to ask you which is your favorite match because you've already told us that. Yeah. yeah. Which style of match do you think resonates with you most and why? <sighs> I don't know. And it's I know really that that's hard, hard off one match. Because, because you're talking about different eras of fights, right? You know, like. Sure. Uh, you know, like as we can, as we watched wrestling from, let's say, as far back for me as like starting in the 80s. And then you see wrestling as it evolves as match, like more acrobatic, more uh, well, uh, you know, choreographed matches as, as opposed to, you know, the olden days of, you know, just two muscular meatheads just bashing the crap out of each other. So it's kind of like, it's very hard to distinguish the different eras and their style to say which style I like, but like, obviously I have to say, cause this 2015 Nakamura Ibushi match is far, far more recent. They were able to incorporate some more, you know, fresher takes uh, into their choreography to make it much more fun to watch. Uh, the, the, what was the other one? Uh, the Kawada and uh, Misawa match was, it was amazing to watch something that is during this era of 94 that you don't see that much in American wrestling where you're watching two best of the best wrestlers going head on, but you can see how the match is telling you a story of how these guys they know they're really good at something and they are trying yeah. to figure out it's like kind of battle the mind and strategically yeah, definitely do their moves and then third lastly the 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 dumpy and and bull versus the crush dumpy Dumpy, oh, sorry, dump, dump, dumpy, dumpy. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm getting the names mixed up. The dump and bull versus crush gals. I have to say, in terms of women's wrestling, that was the the most brutal and fun, funniest fun match I ever seen. And it's it really special. It's special. So. If I were to rank them, I would say one is Misa, uh, Misawa and Kawada match from nine, uh, June 3rd, 94. Second is Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kota Ibushi. Uh, and then third, I would say, was the Crush Gals and uh, Dump and uh, Bull fight. But in terms of fighting... Uh, I would have to say I had a lot of enjoyments with the Sasuke uh, Nakamura and Ibushi fight. That was a lot of fun to watch. There was yep. character. It was obviously more modern, uh, more uh, combination of all sorts of fights into it. It's really well choreographed that I really enjoyed. It made it fun to watch. Um, I have to say the a AJW match is was fun to watch in terms of brutality. If you just want to watch a match of, <laughs> of a whole bunch of people being the crap out of each other and make, <laughs> it, right. make it look good, 
I have to say, yeah, th that one was great. If you want to watch, and lastly, Misawa and Kawada, if you want to match that is just uh, the story is telling you the strategy of this battle. How am I going to go and take each other, these, you know, my opponent out? Misawa, Kawada, hands down, a, a smart man's match. It's a really, really good match, that one. What really surprises me with this, and I've yeah. watched Japanese wrestling before, yeah. but yeah. really watching, watching it, it kind of makes me disappointed that so much American wrestling is just, let's do a move. Let's do a bigger move. Let's like, it's, it's it how feels much so... you can get out of the audience. That's the, yeah. Key but the thing and is, even when guys, there's, they don't... And even when there's matches focus more on storytelling. Yeah. And there's plenty of good ones. And I think AEW is introducing this more, but yeah, damn dude, I watched SummerSlam and like some of these matches, there's just no, like, I can't watch some of those matches and be like, what's the strategy for the wrestler here? Yes. And I feel like They're you not should be able to do that yeah. with any match. I don't feel like, I, I don't think you should watch a match and and think to yourself, okay, well, what's their strategy going to be? Yeah. And, and, and then it's just the same thing every time. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I feel like there should be more depth than that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You should be, you should not only be telling your story through, because like, yeah, it's to your point is like these days, American wrestling is, you know, the backstory, you know, the storyline, but when you see them fight, it's more for you're, choo you're cheering on the face or the heel or your favorite. But the thing is, you're not really able to analyze that match as in depth as compared to japanese wrestling yeah and i right? don't even think it's necessarily a bad thing all the time no 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 right no. but if you're but saying I the comparison yeah like it, japanese yeah. do tell more stories in their fights than american wrestling does. yeah i'm not saying that i think american wrestling should change dramatically what i am saying is i think that more wrestlers could get more from watching this style of wrestling and integrate it. Like Daniel yeah. Garcia clearly watched this type of wrestling yeah, because the type of wrestling he gave at PWG on Sunday is the exact type of wrestling I saw here. And it's the wrestling I didn't see in other matches on the card. So I think it's just another tool in that toolkit that people can use. Yeah. Agree, agreed. It's it's definitely something a piece that they can take out of the, the Japanese the Japanese wrestling for sure. Like sometimes, like don't get me wrong, there were a handful of matches I remember in WWE when I was watching growing up. There were some that were very good, but it's like when I say some, it's like you can count it on your hand. There's not many that are as technical style as that. Like. One wrestler that I do know that tries to do stuff like that was Owen Hart. He yeah. he, he actually does put a little bit of storytelling into his matches, especially yeah, the Owen ones he, and, uh, when he fought Stone Cold. Unfortunately, yeah, or or Owen and Brett at uh, yeah, WrestleMania ten. Yeah, that's like that's like the one to point to as yeah. like look at the depth here. Or Owen and Bulldog. 
Oh yeah, uh, from yeah, because they from, all came uh, from the same school, so they do know how to. They trust each other enough to to be able to do some stuff with each other in the ring that tells the story of the fight. But yeah, it's I can see how dangerous it can be. Yes, but not not telling not asking all the wrestlers to go out there and try to kill themselves no but, you know, no no they, you don't need to kill yourself you don't need to, to kill yourself to tell a good to, story to tell these stories yeah so but you can do you can push the envelope a little bit you know what i mean so well monty yeah. thank you for joining me on this yeah i will good. say i watched for you mm-hmm. a movie and it's a really it's a really complex, deep movie, and we're already an hour and 20 minutes in. I don't think we can do it justice this week. What I'm proposing to you okay. is we make that movie Matt's homework for next week. Oh, good idea. Good idea. And and we can all talk about it together yeah. next week on the podcast. Now... That movie is The Color of Pomegranates, which is pretty much as far away from June 3rd, 94 as you could possibly get. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's re- I know some of our audience are like, wait a second, that wasn't the homework I assigned you, but we had some technical difficulties. I yeah, know Kung Fu that- Stuntman just I- wasn't yeah, It wasn't working. working. Yeah, it wasn't working for, for Ben, so... Um, yeah, so I actually assigned him we during the week I did reassign him the the second movie which was uh the one I also suggested the pom- color of pomegranate. So But so my yeah. question for you Mr. Monty. Yeah. Is what is my homework for next week? All right. So The Gates of Hell is opening up very soon. I think it it may have opened it up or not, but when I say Gates of Hell, it is that time of year. I know I mentioned it last year in our podcast that I think it was also around the same time I, I joined you guys. But it is the Hungry Ghost Festival. Hungry uh, Ghost Festival. Yes. Uh, Hungry Ghost Festival, i uh, remind everyone, it is this festival where your loved ones are coming back uh to visit from the other realm uh and uh you know it's our time it's our time to pay respect to our ancestors who come back and visit it can be there are two ways of looking at it uh you can look at it uh from a scary perspective is that yeah you uh we're as kids in, in taiwan we were asked not to go out too late um, there are usually offerings left outside of the house and we're not to disturb it. Um, a lot of temple, very, if you guys are all traveling right now and listening to us abroad and you're visiting some Asian countries, it's, it's an excellent way to absorb some cultures by, uh, visiting some of the temples out there because they're all throwing some form of festivals. It can be very colorful, can be very interesting and sometimes can be a little creepy. Um, I just checked the date. It's actually August 3rd. So the Gates of Hell is opening on August The Gates of Hell are open, kids. (laughs) So, um, which leads me to my homework for you. It's going to be a a simple one. 
I remember when we did our ghost story episode, I think a couple, I sure of, a couple of weeks back, and I told you the story about the Ming Shang uh, mansion. Yes. So, Ben, you will be watching Ming Shang Haunted House. I think the movie came out in 2022. Ming uh, Shang, how do I, how do, how do I, myself, I mean, not for me, of Ming, course, I obviously know how to spell it, but for the peanut gallery, can we spell that out, please? Yes, it's Ming Shang, it's M-I-N-X-I-O-N-G, Haunted House. So Ming Shang is, is spelled as one word. Ming Chong. Yeah. And now, it's a 2022 movie, uh, but keep in mind... This is one I just want to watch for this heck of watching it because I've, I've actually been to the actual house on my own. It, of course, if you all heard that episode, then you would have heard my stories of entering this haunted house by myself. It's a real haunted house. It's one of the top 10 haunted houses of Taiwan. Um, but yeah, I, I figure I would uh, give you this to help uh, kick off the Hungry Ghost Fest that's starting on August third. Thirty sorry, August thirtieth. I Monty, I'm very <laughs> excited. I'm I'm a little concerned about what quality this movie is going to be, I which knew, makes me I, even I more gonna, excited. I, I was gonna say yes, I heard not not so great, but hey, like you said, niche is neat. That's what we're here what we're all about. So you know, it would probably be one of my first bad movies that I recommended to you, but check it out and let me know. We, uh, need, I, I mean, look, we have the color of pomegranates, right? So we have yeah. the good movie covered. Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> it, but so, hey, it's better than what's that movie that you gave uh, you gave Matt last week, last time that he got so oh, so the, emotional talking. Yeah, about the, uh, the 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 showstopper movie, yeah, the, the, showstopper. The, the bachelor party, whatever. Yeah. He just premiered a new one. No way. Yes, he premiered oh a gosh. new one. The showstopper. He, he said that their theater sold out and Barbie's was empty. Right. Bruh, bruh, what's that tell you, pal? <laughs> okay, so at least this movie won't be as bad as that. So <laughs> I'm putting the bar very low here. I, okay, I, I, so Monty. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to watch All right. a relatively recent horror movie? A middle like 80s ish horror movie 80s maybe 90s okay or from like the 30s hmm. 1930s we're not going into the future here i know i know uh let's go with 80 90s all right. All right. <laughs> Are you... you have that. I, I'm I'm kind of terrified now because you had that uh, smirk at the end. So, so uh, we're we're gonna get a real range because there is one full size theatrical movie poster in my apartment. Oh, okay. I don't know what your apartment looks like. So, everybody knows <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, right? 
Most Classic. people know The Return of the Living Dead by John Russo. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of those people fell off when it came time for its sequel. But a young Ben grew up with his favorite horror movie. Okay. Being <laughs> Return The of Return the of the Living Dead Part <laughs> 2. <laughs> and we are going to watch it and review it the next time. And just remember, everyone, that when in doubt, the fourth time's the charm. Good night and good morning. Follow us on Instagram. And you can get there very easily by going to 4TTC.org. Free DVDs! Free DVDs too! Limited time. Bye! Bye. Bye.